Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And uh, here we are, Young Me. Wow, we've made it to the end. Uh, well, I guess this will come out in June. So Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month is over. So you can go back to not giving a shit. You can finally rest and catch up on The Sopranos. And go back to just living your normal life, everybody. In fact, turn this episode off. I'm just kidding. No, don't, because our guest this week is so exciting. But you know, yeah. Young Me, I think uh, after AAPI Heritage Month, it's instilled me with a lot of confidence. Because every month we're surprised how amazing all of our guests are every week. And we're like, this week is the best ever. You know what? We fucking rule. Our podcast is the shit. And yes, all of our guests are the shit. Because yes, we deserve it. And it's, it, there's so much good shit out there. So we rule. Yes. This feels this yucky. But yes. <laughs> I'm that proud of my, us. Uh, that, was, uh, that, that basically was my audition to be a coach for a straight to streamer Disney movie. So if any that of y'all felt, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if your casting director is listening and you felt somewhat inspired, contact me at feelingasianpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much. You definitely lost that role to Steven Yun. Um, you're not, it's not going to happen for you. I, I, I thought need... that, yeah, Brian, I thought that that sounded like exposure therapy. I was like, I know Brian's therapist made him do that. <laughs> I'm proud of myself and <laughs> and let's be real we are two AAPI heritage months away from Steven Yun to not have to do bad Disney movies anymore <laughs> but anyways uh, enough about us I think our listeners are very excited for our guests this week I think we should introduce them young me Yes, please. The honor is Let's all mine. Listeners, you are in for a treat. Your guest this week is the owner of You and Me Books. Everyone, please give your ears to Lucy Yu. Hello. So excited to be here. Happy AAPI ending month. So back to Sopranos <laughs> month. Question mark? Yes. Apparently. What are you going to do with all, that, all your newfound free time? Pride Lucy? month. <laughs> <laughs> Pride Month, Pride Month, of course. AAPI Month is, all, you know, I love I love it because I do get a lot of work, and you know, I we got we got that spotlight this month, and I was so excited for that, and it was like really really great. But it's also kind of exhausting to be like, thank you for having us, like all month long. Like, thank you, I am Asian. So part of me is a little relieved, I have to say. They got to spread it out. They got to spread it out a little bit more. Every Asian is like tired right now. We're like, what? What happened? But, you know, we are recording this in the thick of May. We have like a solid five days left because the listeners don't know that because they're listening mm -mm. to it in June. So... You're, you're getting the real uh, authentic voices of tired Asians at the last, <laughs> the last, <laughs> last leg. I can't even say last. I keep saying last. Last <laughs> leg of AAPI month. Oh, my God. We've been doing, we've been doing the benefits and the events. <laughs> but it's all good. You got this. I believe in you, young me. Finish we strong. This. We got Lucy here. I'm so excited. I've just decided um, that I'm going to be an optimistic coach for this entire episode. Let's do Brian it, y'all. Brian is auditioning. <laughs> he is on the audition circuit, right? <laughs> um, but Lucy, thank you for joining us on the podcast. And 
you know, we have so much that we want to discuss with you, namely your wonderful bookstore. And personally, I, I want to get some literary tea from you. But Ooh. before we dive into yes. all of that and ask you how you feel, Youngmi, how are you feeling? Well, I guess I should talk about this now because I guess this is the one chance I'll get to talk about it. Um, like I said, Uh-oh. we're recording this. <laughs> I know. I'm bracing get for ready, impact. everyone. Well, you know... <laughs> um well like i said we're recording this you know during the last few days of may so if you you know are listening in june you know this is right after all of the horrible shootings which you know there were three mass shootings in the span of a week um and i had a lot of feelings about obviously the first one was just so intense where it's like a white supremacist, you know, targeting black Americans and like that's horrifying. And then, you know, there was another anti-Asian hate crime mass shooting, which is blowing my mind because it was very similar to the Atlanta shootings a year ago and like the mm-hmm. lack of any news coverage that it had you know, even in our community is just very, it's understandable because we're all at our, you know, we can't really survive consuming this much negative content, obviously, but it's like shocking that, you know, the the difference in the two um, shootings. And then of course, the very tragic shooting that happened in the uh, elementary school and that like you know i when that shooting was happening like the first day or two i was just like staying offline but i like caught up on the news yesterday and it was just like it's just too much you know like i like um it's like too much and Mm. i know i told brian this but you know, that day, basically, I was flying in from Chicago and my ex-husband was dropping my son off at school and I was supposed to, like, pick him up from school and, like, just, like, sitting there realizing, like, oh, my God, he's, like, in school right now, you know? Mm. Like, that's that was, like, really hard. And then when I picked him up, I was, like, um, you know, like, just really, like, focusing on him and, like, trying to hang out with him. And I told him about the shooting and I, again, I told Brian this already, but like, I was really upset because I read the thing about the cops didn't go in because they were scared and they made up this lie about him, the shooter wearing a bulletproof vest, which was found out to be a lie because he wasn't. And and they just failed those children. And, and I was really angry about that. So I just told my son, I was like, you know, like, because, you know, he's eight and he, he's obsessed with cops and the army and guns. And I, mm. and I, he looks up to them in a way. And, I, you know, I've been like spreading my anti-cop propaganda. But like, I was like, you know what happened? The cops were too fucking scared and they didn't go in and they didn't protect the children. And that's their fucking job. And again, I was angry. And obviously, I don't want to get too political about that. But like, so I said that. And then I said, but, you know, who did protect the children were the teachers. And they protected the children and they died. And... um like without even like missing a beat Mino was like my son was like well of course they protected the children because they loved them and uh it was just like it just like took my breath away because I was like he Mino fucking gets it Mino fucking gets it 
Mm. You know what I mean? He understands, like, I think uh, this is like, t- I don't want to, like, put, judge anybody for, because I know this is a rough issue, but, like, it's a weird job to, uh, to force somebody to be a police officer because they don't give a fuck about those people. They don't know those people. They're not going to fucking do anything and and when they actually finally let them in they all ran and got their own kids first because duh because that's human nature like why would anyone fucking risk their lives for a fucking kid that they didn't know you know and of course if you're the teacher like you spend all day with them and you're gonna fucking risk your life like that's just we all like inherently understand that you know what i mean um and like when mino said that i was like yes like we all know that deep down inside right sorry this is getting too emotional but like it just like really shook me when he said that because it was just like damn like he fuck damn like he fucking gets it everyone gets it you know and a lot of people you know i'm not trying to judge all cops but like a lot of cops become cops because they play fucking fortnite and they think it's gonna be like guns you know like they like they become cops to like enforce power on people they don't become cops to like help fucking children because that's what teachers do i'm really trying to reel it i'm so sorry lucy i don't want to like obviously we talk about our feelings on this podcast but this is like the wheels are popping off the train so i'm gonna reel it in but i just i all i want to say is like when mino said that i i thought it was very profound and i i you know he always surprises me every day you know as little children do like because they just they just like understand things and i think we all do to some degree um so i'm just feeling very devastated and sad is how i'm feeling brian how are you feeling (laughs) oh god well you know i i echo a lot of the similar frustrations that you carry with you um yeah just to tack on to that you know obviously uh it's been a very heavy week i just have such a hard time wrapping my brain around all of it yeah like there's a huge issue with gun laws here in this country that i think we're we're on the cusp of a a moment of reckoning and i just feel like when things like this occur and unfortunately it seems to be happening with more frequency in this country and in contrast to you know, young me, like what we do day to day is mm-hmm. like we're comedians and this is our work and this is what we do. And question myself, like how to be a good citizen and like is what I'm doing like the right thing is what lately of how I've been feeling. Because mm-hmm. on the heels of some on, on news like this to just like go back to our microphones and crack jokes and stuff, it seems inappropriate in a way Mm. yeah well i think i think what you're saying is valid like something big happens and you want to like create space for the for the gravity of that incident you know and for it to take up space and maybe you want to stop for a moment and not do work which i think is a is very valid and i think a lot of people are feeling that because a lot of people are like well i'm supposed to go back to work right now like, yeah, that's I, you, know you just I mean? said it so much more yeah. with more clarity. That's how it feels, you know. I think like shouldn't a we lot have of people, pause like, for a second? Yeah. On the other side of the coin, like I'm just grateful that 
I have friends and family who are in good health and you know, the, I can yeah. like take a moment and take pause to cherish all the good that's around me because the new cycle is a reminder that all of that, nothing is, uh, nothing's guaranteed. And yeah, yeah it's very so sad. frustrating. Well, right. I mean, you know what you said, you said that like we're on this cusp of something changing, but it's like, we've been here before and that's like really scary to me. And it's like, yeah what's gonna happen nothing again and then what you know this it's like so depressing just that hopeless feeling you know yeah uh well yeah but that's that's basically how i've been feeling this week mm. um but yeah <laughs> sorry lucy <laughs> it's been a heavy week what downer so both of you definitely don't need to apologize to me i mean i if anything just thank you for sharing because i think we just don't have many spaces where we can be really open about our feelings and you sharing your feelings in a space that i'm in allows me to share my feelings in an honest way mm-hmm. um because i think it's it's almost impossible for all of us to process what we've been through in the last week, in the last couple of years. Like, I just don't think, like, I feel like my brain's broken. I'm like, how do I, mm. how do I continue See. to process this? You know, and I, it's, it's been tough for me because I left the corporate world in which that space mm. wasn't built to heal my brain, heal a little bit of what's going on. Um, because it's like, well, like, let's go back to productivity. And I think now owning my own business and like you said, you know, we have to somehow get up the next day and like do our jobs and somehow keep Mm -hmm. going. And I think that now, okay, I'm responsible for doing that for myself, but like my brain isn't even working. Like, I don't even know how to start with that. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. on... I believe it was on Monday, I came to the store to do some errands and I was walking around Canal Street, which is my subway stop. And I take like a hour commute every day. And I realized Mm. the subway stop was closed because there was a shooting right around the time that I got in at my subway stop. So I think it's, it's, you know, starting from, and I don't, I don't have the privilege of being able to Uber home all the time. You know, it's so expensive in the city. Mm. It's like, if I Uber home, it's like 80 bucks one way all the way to Queens and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have to take the subway. There's no other way for me to get around. And I think hearing that attack on top of like the terrible other attacks going on, um, it's just, it's really, it's really hard to pro like I, in my body, I feel devastated, but in my brain, I fix any Mm -hmm. sense. Like I am like aching all over the place I'm just like <gasps> sluggish and I just feel like it's hard for me to move around. But my brain just isn't like, it's just not there yet. I think my body knew before my brain mm. did. I've noticed that now when like big things happen, like the shooting, you know, like the the grade school shooting, I was like, it took me like two days. Like, you know, I'm I'm just now feeling sad about it. And it's like the 26th of May. And I think it's been three days now. Because I just like, I was just like looking at the news like, brain dead so i totally i know what you mean but also i'm gonna say this and and just like a touch of hopefulness here it's just giving me license to be fucking chaotic af 
I'm just like, fuck it. It's like Wednesday at 3 a.m. I'm going to go out. It's all a blur like, like, anyways, right? So you're like, well, let's make it blur. more blurry. Like, Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Like what you were saying, oh, I have my own business now. Now I have to run it by myself. I don't know how to do it. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing either. I don't know what I have to do. I have no idea what I have to do tomorrow. Literally wake up in a panic every day. Yeah. So next time yeah. you're doing a line of K at 3 a.m. on a Wednesday... Yeah. Not, stop Asian hate, y'all. <laughs> hashtag. Hashtag. <laughs> That's how I decided to stop Asian hate by doing ketamine at 3 a.m. on a Wednesday. <laughs> I'm an activist. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you, know, you mentioned that you are a business owner, and which is you and me books. And Woo. for our listeners who may not be familiar or they live outside of New York, you and Me Books is New York's first Asian female-owned bookstore. Wow. But before you started this business, you were a chemical engineer by trade. So what we want to know is what compelled you to make the shift from avid book reader to what is now your second career calling? Wait, Lucy, why did you make that face when Brian said chemical engineer? I'm like, like <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, I just immediately got stressed about the reactors that I have to design. Um, no, I, I feel like, I don't know. I think earlier in my life, when I was a teen, I thought there was a very linear path for my life to follow. I'm like, I'm going to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like... And you're going to have a 401k or whatever and then retire. And then that's when wow. I'm going to really want to do what I do what I want to do at 65. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I did. I lost one of my best friends in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I think and that was when I was 26. And I mm-hmm. was like, maybe I won't make it to 65. Um, maybe I won't make mm-hmm. it to next year. And I have no idea what's going to happen. And if I... There were a lot of doubts that came into my head of, well, if this bookstore is not successful, like, what the hell am I going to do? I just blew out all my savings buying these books that I'm going to have to read throughout the course of my life. Um, and, and but I, I, there's so much doubt in my head. But I thought, like, look, worst case scenario, I wouldn't be, I can always go back to do what I'm doing now. Um, always be mm. a supply chain manager, always be a chemical engineer. I think that there's no point where I'm like, okay, you can't come back. Um, and I think I realized from doing that, it's like, you know what? Like, fuck it. Like, what if, what if this isn't the, like forever for me either? Um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I think my only career choice is that I'm like a lifetime career changer. And that's, that's really okay. I think that there was a lot of, toxic ideology behind that when I was younger of like you're switching around jobs too much so it's bad for your resume that's like companies are gonna like that I'm like look we're at Mm -hmm. we're at a phase where I'm at at least I'm at a phase where I'm like I'm not gonna live my life based on what companies want me to do um because I have a Mm -hmm. whole life to live and they just have a salary to give me so um I it was a complete mind shift change for me because they don't give a shit about you anyway no I mean I've realized why do you care Right, yeah. right. And I think like in, in my previous career, something that really pushed me out of it was I found out that people were calling me egg roll behind my back actually at work. <gasps> yeah. What? Yeah. No. True story. No, um, Drop the ads. <laughs> Tell us the ads. We're going to bully them. All the feeling Asian listeners, we're going to dox, dox them. Now. <laughs> you know what's sad is that it wasn't even just one person. 
So That's all of them, oh we're going to bully all God. of them. So it was that. And I think that fuck? I told like the head of HR and wow. I told all of them and they're like, look, like you, you're going to be in the manufacturing field. You're going to have to learn how to deal with this. That was their response. What? To it. So Jesus. And, and yeah, as someone their who's like, right now. already a minority female in a majority male space, on top of that being a female of color, it's like, ah, oh, fuck this. Like I'm. There's a part of me that's like feeling guilty that I should have stayed to make it better for other women no. down the line. But also I, I had a life to live to. I can't I couldn't just keep doing that. What kind of world right. is this where you can't even be in chemical engineering without b- dealing with that bullshit? Like, is there any <laughs> fucking space that's safe? You know what I mean? For one, we definitely know that the supply chain management space is not a safe space. No, I've lived in that <laughs> space that. for many <laughs> years. Them. Not safe either. <laughs> wow well that's so interesting that you basically one of the reasons that you left your former career is like this like unchecked racism that nobody wanted to do anything about i think at that point i was like well if i switch careers like maybe that'll change and i went into supply chain for a couple years after that as well and i was a supply chain manager um yeah and no no field is safe i also want to point out that the moment lucy left the supply chain field Global supply chain has gone to <gasps> absolute shit. Wow. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> I think not. That, let that be a lesson to you, racist. You, you made your bed. Now sleep in it. Why why is the why are the bananas ten dollars now? Why are the bananas ten dollars now? Okay. <laughs> um well, you know, one thing I'm curious about is like why a bookstore? Like, was it Oh, did yeah. you like are you just like do you love books and was it as simple as that you're like wow oh, it's always been like a romantic dream of mine to own a bookstore or is there you know i'm just curious yeah i mean i definitely always love books i was an only child uh first of all that means i'm totally normal everything's fine second of all that means all my <laughs> friends were books growing up um and i i don't know i think Part of the supply chain part of me is like, I know this is like this romantic ideal of you owning a bookstore is not going to be the full reality. Like it's going to be part of it, but you're going to have to deal with the finances. You're going to have to deal with the margin Mm -hmm. and assets and all the bullshit that comes with owning a business. But Mm -hmm. nothing made me happier than books. I think I, so in Mm. 2021, Um, I, in the beginning of the year, I was working so many hours and I was so burnt out. And I think it was just, um, when it, it just like so many things happened (laughs) and I took three weeks off work. I took my entire PTO for the year in January. And all I did was read Mm -hmm. two books a day. Like I was like, I'm not getting out of this couch. My ass is on the couch. I am potato and I'm reading these books and it healed me in a certain way. I think a lot of that just traveling to different people's worlds and perspectives really helped me figure out a circuitous route to healing from my own world. Um, it mm. took took a long time, and but I think I always found comfort in that. Like, I think I find more of myself through fiction and through reading other people's perspectives. Mm. And I was like, well, I, I bet other people feel this way. I hope other people feel this way. And something that I realized was, I was constantly creating these lists and digging through in bookstores um, for more diverse voices. Um, and mm-hmm. especially Asian-American authors and stories that I never re- read growing up. Like, I loved minor feelings, but there's so much more out there, too. And I just, like, yeah. didn't see much of it. Um, 
Mm. And I think that I was like, well, there's a space here that I really feel like is important to me to be represented. And mm-hmm. also it's, it's been healing to me. So I, let's see if this is healing for someone else. Let's see if someone else is hungry for this. Is your store, does it just specialize in only Asian authors? It does not. And I think that that's been like a bit difficult for me to manage because I think there is a focus on Asian American Mm -hmm. literature because like I'm trying to figure out myself while opening this store. Um, And I want to see that representation, but it's it's so much more than that. It's really a focus on immigrant Mm -hmm. stories and um, how we can relate to other immigrant stories as well. I just want to point out that I... When that GoFundMe uh, was happening for the bookstore, I was just getting inundated with so many um, Instagram stories about the bookstore, just from disparate, like, just so many different people and that I've met in New York through, like, the AAPI network. And I don't know. I think it's a really beautiful thing. I feel like your bookstore is sort of a evidence of, like, collective engagement and mm-hmm. how there there is a need for a space like this. And it's... I don't know. I think it's. I think what you're doing is like fucking amazing. And but I I I also think it's interesting that you pointed out how, you know, you're you're using your background in supply chain and sort of understanding how business works and towards like, uh, and applying it to your own bookstore. And uh, people often stress the importance of like support your local bookstore. And I guess what we want to know is like, what are some facets of the bookselling business that people may not be aware of like what is the importance of having diverse bookstore owners and i don't know like how has amazon affected like the books like local bookstore model like give us all the tea yeah ooh, let's spill some tea i think the the amazon model is something that's super frustrating to me because it allows for mm-hmm. people to read the same like 20 books over and over again mm-hmm. and um it's mm. cu- specially curated for your selection but that selection is constantly being pushed by like the publishing world um, and what books have the more backing around it. And I think independent bookstores actually handpick most of their books so that they're mm. actually sharing a story that they've connected to that may not have been on the New York Times bestsellers list. I would say like 99% of the books I have in store are not on the New York Times bestsellers list. Um, wow. And I think that that's really important because when we're confined to just what's being pushed um, in our faces, it, it really limits our perceptive perceptions of what's out there. Um, Wait, was that like, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Was that like how uh, bookstores like back in the day, you know, obviously I'm like a decade older than you. So I remember bookstores <laughs> like it was, was that like the model that they were run before Amazon where small biz, small like bookstore owners would like curate books they thought were important? I, I'm so no, new to the business. So I have no idea right. what okay. other bookstores are doing, but I know that when I first started, I didn't have any reps for any of the publishers. So I was handpicking right. all the books. Um, mm, but yeah. now that I have a little bit more support, they're like, okay, you're like a real bookstore. So we'll, we'll add some help. Um, I noticed that, you know, a lot of the publishers will push, certain books to bookstores. So I think that Mm -hmm. people will just choose from those lists. And um, I have two from some of the lists that have been curated, but I still handpick like 80% of the titles that I have in store. 
I'm mm. like getting so many flashbacks because I'm I'm old. Like like I remember being a kid and going to like record stores and bookstores, and obviously they would. I think that like back then it was important for you to live in a big city because the big cities had all the books or all the uh, the records. So like uh, when I would visit like Seoul or something, I could go to the record store and get all these like records and CDs that they didn't have at my hometown. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like really aging myself. And um <laughs> but like I think yeah, that's like such an interesting uh, that that just like hit me as so fascinating cuz that that just no longer exists, you know? Like wherever you are in the world, you have access to all the books. And um like like the the phenomenon of like going into a bookstore looking for something and them not having it. I mean, it's no more. That happens all the time. <laughs> People come in and they're like, "Do you have this title?" I was like, "No, yeah. we can order it for you." But if you are looking yeah. for something similar, here are some of our recommendations. And so a lot of times people... But I kind of love that. Yeah. I love it when they don't have the book. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, uh, you know, one thing that I have become privy to since living in New York and, I don't know, just expanding my ideas of, like, cultural programming is, like, uh, book tours and, like, seeing authors speak. Um, are you hand-selecting the authors who come and host a speaking engagement at your store or is there like pressure from publishers to be like you and me books like you got to have this person there's a little bit of both um i handpick everything like i wouldn't say no i wouldn't say yes to an author that i didn't want to have at my store um so but okay. i think that what i've noticed and i've gone to a couple like publishing meet and greets um and they'll always like guaranteed always pair me up with the only other asian author that's there they're like no. lucy go like talk to blah 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 like oh this is lucy you by the way she owns the asian bookstore it's like it's not it's not an asian bookstore like i i don't know how to and i think that <laughs> i've been because i started this like not i never said previously in my gofundme or anything that it's specifically an asian american literature bookstore um but I right. feel like I've been kind of pigeonholed into that a little bit mm. because of who I am as a person and how I present. And the publishers, I even got like, I was talking with a publisher once um, and they were like, well, you know what? I'm really, I'm excited to hear that like, you know, there's going to be more of an outlet for Asian American books. Like I'm, I'm tired of like, not I'm tired, but I think we're looking for a change from such a focus on black owned bookstores and uh books written by like black authors oh. and i was like wait oh, like there's weird. like centuries like of that. books written by white authors like aren't you tired of that like i don't i don't understand <laughs> yeah <laughs> what yeah so i think the pu the publishing industry is very interesting and i'm i'm like the newbie that's like finding my footing in it and learning something all the time because i don't really right like, things are happening, and I'm like, oh, is this, like, normal for other bookstores? And um, mm. still figuring that out. Yeah. And so the books that are presented by the publisher are usually books that I am interested in, but they're almost always, if right. any publisher recommends an author to come to my story, it's automatically an Asian author, that's for sure. Mm. I I also that's... had the sense that you're an Asian-only bookstore, so I don't know where I picked up that information, but that, that's what I assume. So maybe I'm I'm the problem. I'm the drama. <laughs> <laughs> but what, I guess what I'm wondering is my follow-up question here is: Is it a top-down uh, issue then? Because you know it's amazing that you have this space and. Um, I, and equal parts frustrating that people just assume that you only are going to carry Asian American authors. 
But at the very least, these publishing houses are providing like the opportunity of, hey, we have this up and coming author. Would you book them for a speaking engagement? Like, would you say 10 years ago, like if you were an Asian American author, would those opportunities have just like not existed because Asian owned bookstores were probably even more rare than they are now? Yeah, I don't even know if that would even be an option like 10 years ago. Mm. Um, I because even now it's Mm. like I have these authors are like, finally, I have somewhere I can go to. Um, Yeah, right. And there's there's some really big bookstores in the city as well, but I think something that is really welcoming for a space for their story is something that hasn't always been there. This is just a, I guess, like, this is more like a personal question that I'm kind of, this is the gossip in me, but can you, like, tell, like, immediately when someone walks into your bookstore and you kind of, like, can pin them already, like what type of book they're gonna choose or like are there like personality types associated to certain book choices i hate that i'm that kind of person but like totally i i watch someone come in and i'm like god they're gonna ask me like i really loved pachinko like do you have any recommendations i'm like okay like i already have the list in my head and when they ask me i'm like never surprised um but i also like i i love a family I don't know. It's always funny. There's like always a family visiting New York and they're like, oh, so uh, this is Asian, right? And I'm like, I don't even know how to start. <laughs> like, I don't know how to answer that. I'm like, I'm Asian, but like, I don't, I don't know what you're asking. Wow. Do you get a lot of those like tourists like in Chinatown? Like, yeah. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're like, look, like I'm, I'm an ally. No, I mean, I do definitely get a lot of tourists in Chinatown, but I think it's, it's mostly good things. Like people have been really showing yeah. up and supporting the store. And I, I really like, I always make fun of everything I do, but I cannot knock the amount of support that I've gotten from all over the world and like all over the US as well. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you're doing a bookstore because I didn't realize how young you were, but it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying this very lovingly, but like, you know, those, I feel like, oh, like a, like a year ago, somebody that was like Gen Z was like, oh my god this is is like a thing that will take your instagram pictures and make them into like real pictures that you can hold i've never seen that before or something and they're like congrats you invented the polaroid like they had never seen like a camera that has like polaroid pictures because every all, all the pictures they saw online were like on the internet but it's like obviously i'm not saying like it's like really interesting because you were saying like how the business is and even I, you know, I'm like 10 years older than you and I'm like, how were bookstores back in the day? I don't know either. (laughs) And it's like so interesting that, do you know what I mean? Like we're like, you're doing this industry that. Yeah. I mean, I think I always joke that one of the top questions I, I get asked is how does this work in the bookstore? Um, And And then after that, it's like, are these books for sale? And I'm like, what do you, what, what do you think? Like, I, I'm confused by the question. I realized that talking to you, like when I was like thinking about record stores and like books, that was like a large portion of my childhood that that was still a thing. And I'm, st- I was kind of like, how did it work? What did we do in there? Like, who chose the books? Like, I have no idea. Yeah, so I've never been a big online shopper, so I think I'm mm. I'm like oh, really? just an old lady. <laughs> so 
So, and on the side, are you uh, emailing with an anonymous man who is actually Jeff Bezos' son? <laughs> oh my God, I was going to ask. Allah, you've got mail. <laughs> oh my God, is he the Tom Hanks and I'm the Meg Ryan in this situation? <laughs> Who's your yeah. Tom Hanks? Yeah, Jeff Bezos' son. Tom Hanks is son? Jeff Bezos' son. <laughs> Oh my god, the other day I looked up Jeff Bezos because he's very secretive about his children and one of his children, like the only one that they know the name of, his literal name is like something horrible. It's like it's like Baron, you know, like Baron Benedict. Trump. It's something like, it's like Princeton Bezos <laughs> or something. And I'm like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will say though that I am a very uh, basic uh, book consumer. So whatever you're choosing to put on the front table, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 I browse and then I'm going to find the cover that looks the most enticing. And then I'm going to cross-reference that with Goodreads rating. And then if it has fewer than 3.8, I ain't reading that shit. Wow. <laughs> I want to do a quick plug also for Storygraph, which is Goodreads, but not owned by Amazon. <gasps> Storygraph. Wait, Goodreads is owned by Amazon? It is. It is. No! no! I can't escape <laughs> Princeton Bezos. <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. So what? I've wait. like changed over to Storygraph yeah. because I'm like, oh my God, I didn't realize Goodreads was owned by Amazon. Yo, damn, 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 damn. my Can't mind win. is blown. Um, but I, I want to shift gears here a little bit. And you kind of alluded to this uh, briefly in that, you know, people might mistake your bookstore as specializing in entirely like Asian and Asian American literature. Um, and I guess, you know, but you are a pioneer of your field. And, you know, oftentimes Asians who are pioneers or loan representatives in a particular field are put on a pedestal um and while this is great this can also be dangerous because then these representatives can be expected to encompass all of the asian american experiences and i i feel like you touched on this but is this something that you've you're, you're ex currently like experiencing in the early aughts of your bookstore i it's been tough because i like I didn't expect anyone, when I first launched a book, bookstore, I wouldn't expect anyone to care. I thought I was going to have to, like, pay my friends to come. Um, mm. But I think now it's been so wonderful to see the support um, and so exciting. It's been really hard for me because I am very much of, like, I don't really know what I'm doing still. I'm figuring things out. Um, I would never say that I represent anything general about Asian America or Asian Americans. Mm. I'm like, and I think that from my experience, it's been very difficult because I think a lot of people will now challenge my identity. Um, I never grew up mm. with other Asian Americans. I grew up in predominantly like Latinx and white spaces um, in Los Angeles. Mm. And so I'm not going to get a lot of the Asian American references that are being brought up. Mm. And so I've now heard from other Asian Americans, they're like, are you even Asian? Like, are you Asian American enough? And um, mm. when I hear that, it's it's tough because I'm like, okay, I'm entering this space that I've, even though I am Asian American, I haven't been around a ton of other Asian Americans. And I'm like, I'm worried that, am I not Asian American enough? And outside of the Asian American space, am I like not American enough? So I think it's, 
It's a weird right. space that I'm in just personally. Um, I know this is getting like really like <laughs> philosophical, but you know, figuring that oh, out, oh, oh. um, figuring that out mm-hmm. and figuring out my own identity while a lot of people are expecting me to, you know, curate for so many Asian Americans is, is something that I'm like definitely trying to balance. Yeah. Well, we've heard that a lot. Um, you know, people feeling like they don't, I guess, like deserve to, you know, be the representative of their uh, identity. But I, you know, I, I just think that just we, we share this quote all the time, but our former guest, Karen Chi said like, just, you being Asian means that everything you're doing is Asian enough and no one gets to tell you otherwise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you are Asian. So whatever you do and say is good enough and there's no, no group of people you have to prove anything to, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. This is so interesting because, you know, we, this is like our first time meeting and I guess I had my preconceptions about you based on what I read in the news and like who you are and like what your business is about. And I was like, I felt what you just described of like, man, like Lucy is this pillar of the, of, of Asian, the like Asian of the Asian community. community and she's probably an expert <laughs> of Asian literature and, you know, books are, are, are more intel like are are more intellectual medium than podcasting and like fuck am I Asian enough to even interview her? Like <laughs> We're all feeling like we're all just like what the fuck is going on and who are we? Should as we people? just go Should we just tell each other you are Asian enough? <laughs> just like over and over again. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's so funny. But that is yeah, that, that, I'm, I'm sure that that sounds really challenging, though, because, yeah. like, it is a side effect of your business. And now, like, I guess people are expecting you to be, like, a quote-unquote an expert. Yeah, I'm, I'm like always, I've always been, like, I really am figuring things out. I'm never going to be the expert at anything. Yeah. I, too, struggle yeah. with depression. I struggle with anxiety. I question myself all the time. Um, and I think that that, I think there's also, like, this idea of business owners. My mom was, like... My, your family in China thinks that you're too naive to own your own business. And I think that it's, it's funny because it's like, they're like, they think you're too nice. And when the idea of a business owner is like traditionally very stern, very like, okay, like this is my way. I'm going to keep going until this, like lean in. And that's not who I am as a person. And I think I never found that Mm -hmm. within the business space. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of room for us to welcome people that just are like, we're, we're out here, like struggling with so much. I think you're totally right. (laughs) I totally agree with that. I feel like there's like some sort of like idea that like business owners, like this person wearing a suit or, you know, like this old man yelling at you or whatever, but you don't have to be like that. And I feel like you just being here, being a a business owner and being very open about the fact that you're like, I don't know what I'm doing either. That's like very refreshing and it's like great to hear, but I'm like spiraling because I feel like, am I the fucking problem? Because I feel like what Brian said, I had this image of you being like Asian person that knows all about Asia and it's Asian books. Like I thought that too. And now I'm like, why was I, why did I think that? (laughs) No, I just think we're like, 
we had so much scarcity in our lives. Like we just never, yeah, we never saw much of ourselves. And so when we see someone that's like kind of like us, we're like, they know it all. Like they got it figured out. And like, yeah, we just, no one does. And um, we just like saw so many white protagonists figure that out and fail and be okay. And like, we just haven't seen that with Asian people. One thing is for certain is that I feel like Asian American authors are fucking killing it in the literary oh space. Oh my god, they are. I'm saying, you know, obviously I have a bias, but I feel like it's pretty objective because anytime I go look at the front table, I'm like, damn, there's a lot of Asian authors here and all these books are bangers and I probably am gravitating towards them because I'm an Asian person and these are the types of stories I want to read, but I'm going to ignore that fact. We're killing it out here. <laughs> But I also am really excited for my dad to listen to this podcast episode uh, because you are a, a very successful business owner and my dad uh, is upset at me because he expects me to wear a suit every day because I am a 32-year-old man. <laughs> That's so funny. He's like, why are you still wearing jeans? So juvenile. Wear a suit. <laughs> Wait, can I can I say something? One more thing that you said at the top of the conversation that before we move on to the other questions. Um, so you were talking about how, you know, when you started your the business because you really wanted to, you were like, well, I could always come back to this other job. Right. Yeah. Um, the chemical engineering. And I, I have to say props to I mean, I don't know if this was like your family at all, but I think we've had a lot of guests on that did follow through with what their parents wanted, like went to a good school and then went and got a, like a good job. And uh, and then after achieving all that, decided that they were going to switch and do do what their dream is, um, much like you did. But I, I think props to I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like there is. A benefit of doing that because like you said you know you're going to try your dream and if it doesn't go the way that you want it to i'm not saying it's going to fail or succeed if, if you're just unhappy doing it then you can go back to something that uh, you have something that you can fall on quote unquote and that was like i think what a lot of our parents were wanting for us they were like set up this foundation so then you can experiment with what makes you happy and then you'll have something to fall back on and so i think in that way like it is it is a, a good plan i mean obviously a lot of people are 100 percent <laughs> but i should have listened because now damn. i didn't go to college i have I nothing am, i got I'm waitressing spiraling young me <laughs> whatever what, what you just said is gonna spark a long conversation with my mom because my parents I was gonna go to med school, and I I I ditched, I ditched that shit to do comedy, and I have so many conversations like, "What do you mean, mom and dad? I can't just be a doctor and then transition and become a comedian. I the time is now. I gotta quit." And here we are. I I don't ha I have no backups but this. I honestly <laughs> and, I, and here I'm talking to Lucy, who's got the backups, Yo, and she's fucking killing it. I would not <laughs> want to go to the backup. Like the backup is a backup because like I was I was like. It was the same thing, you know? I was like, well, I, yeah. I was pre-med first. Realized I really <gasps> hate blood. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think I can operate on people. Um, let me do the next hardest thing. No. So let me do engineering. I hate it. Honestly, yes. I, like, really don't think I liked it. I really... 
was so miserable <laughs> for all of college. Like, people talk about, like, how college was so Damn, fun. Let's go. And I was like, look, like, I love my friends that I hung out with in college. But, like, holy shit, college was so miserable because of yo oh preach God. right that was my experience we need we need to normalize that narrative college is not fun it's always studying at the library on friday nights and it's stressful af i was so stressed <laughs> like i had to go to the hospital because i had heart palpitations because i was drinking too much coffee oh and the doctor's God. like ma'am no me too <laughs> right like uh, yeah wow. i went to the, i went to the er during a final because i had a panic attack same same <laughs> And I think we should normalize the right. conversation. Like, we shouldn't be like, oh, it's just so fun. It's like, like, if you are expected to succeed in a certain way and you're, like, supposed to go on this path that you really don't want. Like, I wanted to be a studio artist, an English major, mm. and, like, a concentration in mathematics. Like, that's, like, what I wanted. And that just, like, wasn't possible um, for the path that I was wow. expected to be on. So mm. I'm, like, living that now, but I'm, like... I think back and like it was even worth it for a backup plan that I hope I never go back on. Trust me, it's worth it because you don't want your backup plan to be waitressing because that's my backup plan. <laughs> that's fucking. Scary. I'll take I'll take that <laughs> over chemical engineering any day. I'll take waitressing really? yeah any day. I would first. Right. I feel better about my decisions. Hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> solving the global supply chain issues seems stressful as fuck. <laughs> I um well I was like. Oh, okay. That makes me feel better. Also, I have to say, I have zero student loan debt. Same. Let's go. And I know that's hard for a lot of people, but I do have a a lot of other debt because I'm bad with money, but that's another story. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Whoopsie. Well, Lucy, uh, thank you so much for you know, sharing your story and being so vulnerable with us up until now, but we're going to shift gears into the second half of our podcast, which is the lightning round portion which isn't lightning rounds but we call it that (laughs) so let's begin first up what is something you're loving right now um mango pomelo drinks from miss dues down the street Wait, from where? Wait, where? Because I, I live near the bookstore. Oh my gosh, you have to go to Miss Dew's. Like, Tell the me. mango pomelo drink is out of control. I've I'll been getting one, like, every other day. Wait, what's a pomelo? I still it's don't like know. A, it's like a lime? It's like a, I think it's a big grapefruit-looking thing. It looks like a big grapefruit. Like, it's this big, Yo. Right? I say pomelo with is? such confidence when I'm ordering it, but I, I have no idea what Wait, it is. Mango pomelo drink. You know, I could go for that right now. But yes, I'm right. Th- it's a it's a giant grapefruit. It's like the size of your head. Mm. You know what? That's a uh, we yes. need to bring back juice. <laughs> None of this like not- Brian, what an epiphany. Bring back juice. Bring back juice. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is like don't we we need to yes. stop with this like pressed juice, green celery garbage and just bring back just citrusy good fruit juice. Yeah. Bring back juice that tastes good. Yeah. I'm, yeah. That's I'm that's, that's something the I can get behind. I'm running on. But if, you're a, but if you're a bougie person, one thing that I have been about is these like these artisanal prebiotic sodas. They're like oh, alternatives <laughs> to just regular soda. I'm all about that shit too. Yes. I'm the perfect market for that, Lucy, in case you couldn't tell. Like, <laughs> yes, I'm going to walk into your bookstore. I'm going to pick up the newest Sally Rooney book and I'm going to be holding a prebiotic soda in my hand while I do it. (laughs) 
and you're gonna judge me uh, scathingly as you should i'd be like well he has a healthy gut so (laughs) (laughs) but also bring back bring back juice (laughs) that's thin that's my stance (laughs) brian is like taking on the most like uh non-problematic political like stances you know what I think? Bring back juice. Like, absolutely nobody is against Brian. We're all like, yes. Really? Okay, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to say, okay, I'm gonna say that Big Juice has taken a hit because it's, quote, it's very sugary and like yeah, celery right. juice and almond juice and all these like almond fucking juice? like bland alternatives have are in the forefront of society. All I'm saying is there's nothing better than a nice cold that, glass yeah. of OJ on on a hot summer day. So bring I'm back juice. <laughs> um, but, you know, on to our more fun question. Lucy, what is something you're hating right now? I really hate the heat. Um, like, I really hate <laughs> I really hate the summer. <laughs> um, I love the summer. The TBH, summer, worst season of the year. What? I know. I know. What? I know. I know. Wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. That is worse a, than when it's like Lucy, the, it, the sun goes down at 3 p.m.? Yeah. I know. Hot take. Hot take. I hate the hot. Wow. Lucy, that's a, that's a sex negative take. <sighs> I know. The, summer is the worst season of the year. It's a kink shamey take. That's kink shaming. I'm, uh, I'm canceled. I'm canceled because I hate summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. How? You can drink a froze at the beach? Come on. I, I say Do, winter froze at the beach, still the same, still the same. Mm, <laughs> no. I'm kinda, Spoken like a true book person. <laughs> <laughs> Is our bookstores busier in the summer? I've only been open for almost oh. six months. So I think, but people have been definitely out and about over summer. Like we've seen a lot more people come in in the last couple of months. Right. Okay. Because they're right. just milling about. They're outside. Yeah. They got to be holding the book, looking horny, Look, and projecting that they're <laughs> that they're literate. I'm literate. I'm horny, and I'm out and about. Let's do it. <laughs> well, who are like, like, like a what is it? Like a hot girl summer? Like who are the de facto like hot girl, hot boy summer authors? Like who oh, walk yeah. into your store and you're like, that's to- a, that's like a hot hot person. Hot person's book. book. <laughs> what do hot people read um hot person's book like they're like out and about and they're like i'm ready to read some romance um helen hong who wrote the kiss quotient okay. that's some hot okay. stuff i was like hot reading stuff. it on the subway i was like adjusting my hair i'm like is it is it hot in here um there is, is it, wait, it hot as in horny is it a horny book it's a horny book it's a great horny book Ooh. So, okay. and like sometimes people come uh, in and their eyes are like, I need it. And I'm like, don't worry about it. I got you. So this is based on my casual Instagram usage. But when Joan Didion passed, I felt like a lot of, a lot of influencers came out of the woodwork to, to show that they read, they read a lot of Joan Didion. So I feel like by proxy, Joan Didion's work is hot girl hot. summer book. <laughs> Joan Didion is very hot girl author. Okay. That's a hot, hot girl depressed, author. Sad, hot and sad. <laughs> Manic Pixie Girl? Manic Pixie Girl author. Like very and pro cigarettes. Yeah. Yes. And being mean and bitchy. Because <laughs> they're um, sad. Yeah. It's okay to be mean when you're sad. Who's a what's like a hot guy book then? Asking for a friend. <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> oh man. Hot man book. Um 
I like <laughs> what's up? We all know that men. We, I can attest that dudes like we don't read, so this might be a, a challenge. <laughs> I feel I like have books that are red flag books. Yeah, what? Tell oh, us what the, are the hot man? What are red flag? Red red flag. Oh hot my god, man are books? you kidding me? Okay, there are so many red flag books. Okay, men, listen up. If you're a straight man and you're trying to land a straight woman, we will never ever talk to you if you're reading Jack Kerouac. Bukowski, you know, obvi- the obvious ones. Uh, Salinger. The bangers. Um, what else? What else? The What's the, the horrible one with the guy with the three names? The jester, infinite jest. Oh, 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 oh. David Foster Wallace. Yeah, I, I've literally, I've literally, I'm, I'm not joking. I've literally walked out of a man's apartment ready to have sex when I saw that on the shelf. And that is, that mm. is a, every person has that story. I'm going to add Jonathan Franz into that list too. <laughs> But what, what's, uh, yeah. I, I will say, uh, red flag, weeaboo. So like weeaboo oh. girl book is uh, Haruki Murakami. There's always a, always the yes. white always the white people yes. who be reading a lot of Haruki Murakami who, yes. who be, they're like I love Asian lit. They're like I love Asian lit. What's the newest Murakami book that you have? And I was like, that's it. Like, <laughs> um. um. Wait, Brian, what are your red flag books? If somebody has a book, like what what would if you saw it on the shelf, what would make you leave? Um You know, I'm I'm a if you, if you read, I'm just happy you read. <laughs> no, red flag books for me would be like I don't I don't think I have red flag books for women. I just notice guys who read the books, like the authors you mentioned, and then I immediately hate them because I'm like Oh, you're just you're doing this more for the perception of being yeah. seen reading this than actually enjoying this. I shit. got a good one. Sapiens. If you have sapiens on your shelf, like I think I'm gonna go. I have I sapiens. Vaguely heard. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I was I'd like, I vaguely heard. I've, I've heard of that. Book. Yo, Maybe I'd be, I I'd be fucking apartment. mansplaining <laughs> and quoting sapiens like no one's business. <laughs> <laughs> Brian got really quiet. He's like, I have, I have sapiens on my shelf. Yeah, and I'm like, Brian um, is actually, like... I'm gaslighting you because evolutionarily, I'm programmed this way. <laughs> Lucy, let's try to read all the book titles behind Brian. We can see it's like Infinite Jest, Lolita. Uh, I'll, no, right next to me, I have My Year Abroad by Tangre Lee. I have Savage Detectives. By Roberto Bolaño and Disorientation. Oh, you got some got good, good books. books. You got some good books there. That's good. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I also have Jack Kerouac, but that's not in the. <laughs> it's not in screen right now. <laughs> it's um, fine. It just shouldn't be invisible. You can have it. Just hide it. It's my, my, it's my advice to men. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, time for our juicy question. So listen up, listeners. If you want to hear what Lucy is ashamed of, you're going to have to go to our Patreon and subscribe at patreon.com slash feelingasian. We've rebooted our benefits. Check it out. We got Basically, we're giving you a whole lot more content, which based on our, our A-B testing, that's what you, got, you guys all want is more content. So you're getting it. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, without further ado, Lucy, what is something you're ashamed of? Oh, man. So much, so much shame. Um, but I think. Whew. Well, 
we had some laughs and it got pretty damn real <laughs> towards the end but I'm, I'm glad you shared with us lucy but before we let you go we like to leave our guests with this one last question and that is what is something that you're proud of i'm i'm really like i'm really proud that i was able to follow my dreams i just never knew that that was something that was going to be on my path and i'm like i'm super proud of myself for even taking the risk like i don't even care about the result um i'm just i'm just proud that i did it i hope that makes sense that's amazing <laughs> i'm like i'm like already like <laughs> yeah. i'm sorry i'm proud of myself like <laughs> you know i i always say this and i've said this a lot now and you know i was like when I first started doing comedy, because I, I had a similar path too. like I, I made a decision to follow my dreams, you know, and abandoned this other life that was not fulfilling me. Um, and I remember being like, damn, like I'm 33. I started when I was 33 and I was like, I suck at this. I still kind of suck at it. But like, I was like, I suck <laughs> at stand up. Um, uh, what was I going to say? And like. Fuck, what was I going to say? I forgot my inspiring little story. <laughs> I was just listening uh, to my inner voice telling your myself dreams. that I suck. Following your dreams. Oh, following like follow your dreams. Following my 33 dreams. Comedy. 33 comedy. What was I going to say? And you were like, oh, I, uh, even I though suck I suck at, at this. this. But you're proud of yourself. I suck at I'm proud of myself. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot my inspiring little fucking message. Fuck it. Don't ever follow your dreams. Stay at your doctor job. Do what yeah. your parents tell you. And oh, you this is what I was going to say. <laughs> Wait, I, I remembered. I remembered. Sorry. Um, it was like, because I saw the statistic, like the step, the first step, right? For you to show up at the fucking open mic. For you to like look into buying us renting a space to open a bookstore or whatever your dream is that first step 99% of people don't take that first step because that's how scary it is you know going into the audition to become an actor and so that step is the difference between everybody and then us you know what I mean and I'm not trying to like toot my own horn but like going into the fucking open mic as a 33 year old that sucks at comedy that was like that was brave you know and it's okay that I'm like I did this thing and a lot of people can't even do that and it's sad because it's not even about the talent it's about the like just pushing yourself to do that do you know what I mean that little step is like the moon agree as they say showing up is half the battle baby and once you take that first step it's like who cares if you suck you did it you did it most people can't so that that was my inspiring story who cares if you suck <laughs> i loved it good morning who cares if you suck <laughs> good morning you're a piece of shit but no one cares about you that's my little that's my morning monologue when i wake up oh well lucy <laughs> Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for being an inspiration. And I don't know. Thank you for being you. I think a lot of our listeners... You and me are, books. We'll find, <laughs> we'll find a lot of inspiration in your story. And uh, yeah. yeah, this is your time to shine. Plug your business. Where can, where can our New York listeners find you and me books? Um, find us in Chinatown, Manhattan on 44 Mulberry Street. Come say hi. Come stay for a coffee and listen to me make really bad, uh, bad jokes. So, um, come on over. <laughs> and do you have a website? Yeah. You and me books.com. 
and the Instagram you is at people Jody order Cons. on your website. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So don't don't get your books from Amazon. Don't don't cross reference Goodreads. Go to youandmebooks.com and cross reference Storygraph. That's the one takeaway from this episode. And it doesn't matter if you suck. And if do you have, well, let's see, do you carry all of the authors that we had on the show? Do you have Crime in H Mart? Of course. Do you have Sapiens by Yuval <laughs> Noah Harari? Well, I definitely have Yolk. I love Mary. Um, I think she's wonderful. Okay, good. Um, Brian, Mary I totally missed good. that mumble. I'm so sorry. <laughs> do, you, do you have Sapiens by uh, Yuval <laughs> Noah Harari? <laughs> I do not. I do not have Sapiens in store. <gasps> Whoa! Do you have Murakami no. books? <laughs> I do have Murakami books in store. <laughs> that's okay. That that's support Asian. I also like Murakami creatives. sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> I do too. Um, do you have do the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson? I do not have that in store. Good. You know what? That no, me to, to your authors. earlier oh, do you response. Have Alexander Chi. I'm of talking course. about the, how to write an autobiography. Yes. Yeah. So. All, all of the authors that we've had on our podcast are at you and me books. So you can buy their books there. Oh, I don't want to. F- I and there's so many other ones, but I don't want to. Eric Kim, Korean American. Yeah, of course. And of course, David. Let's go. David, author of uh, Pretty Boy. Yeah, David E. David E. Let's oh my God! My also, God! All of them. Young me, I want to. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to add a footnote. An add a footnote here. Red immediate yeah. red flag is anyone who reads subtle art of not giving a fuck and those like accompanying self help books that are like, yeah, like just be the fucking <laughs> inner self and fucking fuck yeah. Who needs That's to a read a book on how to not give a fuck? It's easy not to give a fuck. Just have depression. <laughs> but that's where I become an elitist, like, uh, you know, academic POS. Because I, I actually read that book. And then midway through, I was like, who the fuck are you? You're just some white dude with too much confidence and have like, why? You're, like, what? Like, who are you to tell me what to do? And then I stopped reading it. <laughs> Good for you, Brian. Good. You stopped giving a fuck. You stopped giving yeah, a fuck. Stopped giving like a the fuck. Subtly. <laughs> um well you and me books everyone please go check it out young me where can our listeners find you online oh ym mayor and young me mayor on tiktok how about you brian you guys can find me online at it's brian park and follow the podcast online at feeling asian podcast if you made it this far to the podcast congratulations because we're about to do some patreon shout outs And one last reminder, if you like the podcast and you're thinking of ways to support the podcast, the best way to do so is at Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. We have different subscription tiers. Check it out. Different benefits. A lot more content coming your way. But most importantly, let's do some Patreon shout outs for this episode. So the first shout out goes out to Justin Valdez. Justin, I am going to guess that you are an undergrad studying chemical engineering. Wow. What are the odds? Such a divine coincidence. And you're probably listening to this and spiraling because you listened to Lucy's story and now you don't want to do chemical engineering anymore. So congratulations. 
Next shout out goes out to Hannah Buck. Hannah, you're a film director. You are preparing a short film to be considered for the Sundance Film Institute. And you're fucking killing it. You are incredibly kind and respectful to everyone on set. And you're an absolute joy to work with. And thank you for supporting the podcast. Next shout out goes out to Lorraine. Lorraine, I'm going to guess that you love summer. And you love garlic hummus. And you host the best picnics. And you're so gracious because you extend an invitation to everyone. People you just met. Old friends. You are the great connector in your friend group. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. What an honor you listen to the podcast. Thank you for supporting us. Next shout out is a very special one. It is a shout out from Zoe Brookshire. But she wants she had a special request. Shout out to her mom, Robin Brookshire. So Robin, if you're listening, you are the mother to the most thoughtful and considerate daughter. Finn, that's it. Zoe, thank you. Thank you for supporting the podcast. And last shout out goes out to Michael Kim. No, wow. I for I don't know how to read. It's Michael Lim. But Michael is spelled M-I-K-H-I-E-L, so maybe it's Mikhail Lim. Either way, the spelling of Michael or Mikhail makes me think of Berlin and anything rave culture. So, Michael, you are a fashion god slash DJ. And I think we all have an image in our heads of you. You're wearing those frog-eyed low-profile Oakleys while you're spinning the hottest tracks and getting everyone all into the horny summer vibes so thank you for your service and thank you for supporting the podcast and yes thank you all for supporting once again patreon.com slash feeling Asian check it out thank you thank you and yeah I think that's it Thanks for listening, and we'll see you here next week, everyone. Bye!